You've seen him for a, a number of weeks back there playing guitar, tucked behind John, the newest member of our, our praise team, and we're thrilled to have him part of our, our team. Uh, talking about our team and the various ministries of the church, I, again, you see this morning the, uh, the blue balloons that are out, and certainly you see a lot of our Stephen ministers serving again this week, as they are the entire month, they're uh, in their name tags or their blue shirts. And just to remind you that this is a month that we focus on, on, on that ministry, on our Stephen ministry, and certainly with an attitude of gratitude for, for the wonderful ways that they serve this congregation and community, serve you, but also as an opportunity for you to connect to some of our Stephen ministers, maybe learn about the ministry and, and opportunities either to be involved or, or maybe you, you have a need and that they can uh, be a part of your life and your journey. So you know, I want to encourage you after worship services and, and all month long to you know, have some conversations outside or here in the gathering place with, with our Stephen ministers there. This is the last week, if you weren't here last, last Sunday, this is the last Sunday to do their, their fun, they've got a fun little uh, contest going on out here with the pictures of pets on the boards and you have an opportunity to guess which pet goes with which Stephen minister. So you can do that, you can make your best guesses, and the winner gets, and I have on the, on the altar there, the beautiful uh, ceramic cross. They're going to select the winner, and um, so somebody will win that. So that's just for fun. They'll encourage you after, after worship if you want to go into the gathering place and do that. And they also have, somewhere I've left, I've put it, but uh, they've got their license plate frames that have Parish United Methodist Church on it, and those are free. If you'd like one, you can stop at the table outside and, and pick one of those up. So... Just a few things that are, that are going on uh, this month and just part of the ministries that, that we celebrate. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to turn to our gospel reading. So if you have your Bibles with you and want to open to Mark chapter 7, it says 1 through 18. It's actually, I'm going to read 1 through 8 this morning, but, um, but we'll get there in, in just a moment. But I um, was, was thinking about, as I was preparing for this, uh, the musical... Fiddler on the Roof. How many of you are familiar with Fiddler on the Roof? All right, a lot of you. Great, great musical, one of the longest running on, on Broadway. I'm more familiar with it um, from the movie in the early 70s, I think, that was shot. But, but, but Fiddler on the Roof, the story is, is around this Jewish community in this small village in Russia, 1905, and life and some of the, the, the struggles within this community and challenges within this community. And, and the movie and the musical starts with the introduction to the kind of the main character, Tevya, who is this dairyman and, and one of the integral figures in this community. And he is, through song and through monologue, explaining the glue of the community. In fact, he says that there is a glue of the community, something that holds them together, that gives them balance. Do you remember what the glue of the community was? If you read the sermon title, it should include you in. It's tradition. Tradition. And that's the, that's the, the, the opening song of the musical, or this, this refrain, this chorus, tradition. I'm not singing it for you, but if you know it, you can let it refrain in your head. And, and as he's doing that, he starts describing, and there's these interludes where there's a monologue, and he's describing life in this 
Jewish community and characters in this community. And at one point, he, he talks again about this. Tradition is the glue that holds us together. We have a tradition for everything. This is what he says. He says, we have a tradition for everything. A tradition for what we eat, uh, for tr a tradition uh, for when we sleep, a tradition for what we wear. He says, for instance, we always wear um, a cover on our heads. We always keep our heads covered, and we wear a prayer shawl. And he shows the prayer shawl. He says, we always keep our heads covered, and we wear a prayer shawl to show our devotion to God. You may ask me, where does this tradition come? And I tell you, my friend, I have no idea. But it's tradition. And that was the line as I'm watching it again, and I was, I was listening to the music again, but it was that line. We, wear, we have our heads covered and we wear our prayer shawl. You may ask me, where does this tradition come from? And I tell you, my friend, I have no idea, but it's tradition. And, and that became kind of a, a reflection point for me, a challenge for me, I think, for us to think through this morning, tradition. And to ask ourselves, where do we run a risk sometimes of the how and the what of tradition? What do we do and how do we do it? Where sometimes does that get, get, um, take precedent, if you will, over the why do we do it? Or maybe I should put it this way, where does the why sometimes get lost? Where are, not, where are we guilty of having traditions where we can say this is what we do and this is when we do it and this is how we do it, but you know what, if you ask me why we do it, I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's what Jesus challenges, the, the loss of the why, the loss of the heart, if you will, of tradition or practice, of faith. And that's what happens in, in Mark chapter 7. So we're going to turn to our, our scripture this morning. This is one of, of a number of encounters, um, tension points, if you will, that Jesus had with the religious leaders of the day, that Jesus had with with Pharisees. And um, again, this takes place at the very beginning of, of the Gospel of Mark, verse seven, or chapter 7. This is what we read. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Friends and sisters, we ask God's blessing here on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that, that we would hear this morning, that we would uh, be open to the challenges you speak into our lives, we'd be open to the opportunities to, to receive a deeper truth, a deeper understanding of what it means to, to walk with Jesus. 
We ask that you just bless these times, that this would be yours, these moments would be yours, these words inspired by your Holy Spirit, and all that we do pleasing to you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, let me, let me start right out with, with an important point this morning. As we start this conversation about tradition and these words that we read from Jesus that, that challenge tradition. And let, let me start with this. Tradition is a good thing. Or a tradition, maybe I should put it this way, can be a very good thing. Tradition comes from the Latin word that just means to, to hand down, to to give away, and that's, that's what, what tradition is. There are very often practices that have been handed down generation to generation. That can be one generation to the next in a small period of time. It can be generation after generation after generation after generation. And, and it is, we are, we are bathed in tradition. Every time we gather to worship, we experience tradition, even in a, a contemporary service where the music forms may be newer, but, but we sang a hymn this morning. It was, it was different. I mean, it was, the music was different than when, when we sang it at 8.15, but it was, a, it was a hymn of the church that has been sung for generations, that has become part of a, a tradition. Every week, we celebrate communion. That's a, that's a tradition. That's a practice of the church that has been handed down since Jesus celebrated that meal with his disciples in the upper room. That's 2,000 years old. And, and we say together the Lord's Prayer, tradition, part of the practice of the faith that has been handed down generation to generation. These are valuable things. And, and even there are, there are new traditions. Some of you practice a tradition every time you come into worship. Not all of you, but a lot of you do this because you sit in the same seats every Sunday you come. Now, you all move around a little more, and some of you moved around today, which, so you move around a little bit more, but usually my front row people are my front row people. My back row people are my back row people, you know, and, and, and we tend to create, they're not necessarily traditions we hand down, but, but they're kind of practice and ritual practices. Some of you park in the, the same spots. You have the same routine. Dad's not here today, but every Sunday when he and Judy come to church, my father and, and his wife, and they drive, drive down from Zephyr Hills, they stop at the same Dunkin' Donuts and get coffee, and, a, and so much so that they don't have to order anymore. You have a place like that where you walk in, and they just know what you're getting before you say anything. We used to, um, we used to have a, a, a waitress who used to work at Butterfields. I know a lot of you go to Butterfields. And I'm like, can we would go, we'd take the kids before school. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that frequently, maybe once a month. But we got to the point where we would walk in, and um, she knew our order. She would just look at us and say, we're getting the regular? And we'd like, yep. And she didn't have to come to our table. She just brought the food. Because, because you fall into patterns of behavior, which, which can be traditions. I mean, that's how, how traditions are started. My point is, those are, those are okay. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're valuable because it's the way that our faith gets passed down, and it connects us to the past. It reminds us very often in our traditions that, you know what, Christianity didn't start with us. Relationship with Jesus, we're, we're not the first generation to come across this idea that God's given. It's, it's passed down. And you're here because somebody past a tradition. Paul talks about tradition. When he does, he's talking about the tradition handed to you, the gospel. So, so again, it's not a bad thing. We do them in our families. You have family traditions. 
You have things that your family does maybe around meals or certain kind of celebrations around holidays. We were talking about this last night in the house. Uh, Tony and Cassidy and I were just talking about what are some of our traditions. Things are about Christmas Eve. And I know some of you do this. We open a present every year. One present on Christmas Eve. That's a family tradition. It keeps the kids quiet till the next morning. Um, we do that. We, we have Mother New Year. Does anybody do Mother New Year? This is, this is one. I, didn't, I, married, I married into this tradition. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's, it's... I know why we do it. I didn't know where it came from. But, it's, but you... And I'll tell you what she said in a minute. We, we give on New Year's Day, when the kids wake up, they have a bag of goodies, like some, some inexpensive presents and things. Used to be when they were little, they were coloring books and crayons and games. The reason, the why behind the tradition to keep them quiet on New Year's Day so the parents could sleep in. That's, that's what it was. But it's, a, it's tradition, these kind of things that, that we have. And, and again, I just want to start with that's, that's not bad. Jesus valued tradition in the right spirit, in the right heart. In fact, in early stories in the Gospels, it tells us that when Jesus was 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to the Feast of the Passover as was the custom, as was the tradition. When Jesus comes into Nazareth, he goes into the, the, the synagogue to worship and to pray. He reads from the scroll of, of Isaiah, but he reads from the scroll as was the tradition. With the disciples, they would celebrate the, the festivals and the feasts of the Jewish faith as was the tradition. Jesus valued tradition in the right place with the right heart. So, so tradition, this isn't up here saying tradition's bad because we all have tradition. We're, we're saturated in it. But we have to ask ourselves, is our tradition connected to the, to the reservoir of, of grace that, that God wants us to, to celebrate and, and to live into? In 1919, Lawrence of Arabia was invited to Paris to be part of the Paris peace talks in the aftermath of World War I. And so Lawrence, he brought some chieftains from Arab countries, from the, Arab, from the area he was, and brought them to, to Paris, brought them to France. And, and they were mesmerized by what they saw. They were mesmerized by these modern luxuries of life that they had never seen before. And one of the things that fascinated them and thrilled them was running water. And you can imagine, and you know, living in an arid, desert, dry place, water is at a premium. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a life source, as it is for all of us. But to have at their disposal the ability to turn a faucet handle and have what seemed to be an inexhaustible supply of water was amazing to them. What was interesting is that when they checked out of the hotel when they were leaving, um, Lawrence of Arabia caught them, if you will, trying to take the faucets off of the sinks from the hotels that they were staying in because they believed that if they had the faucet, they had the water. He had to explain to them the faucets were connected to a deep reservoir of water, that without that connection, the faucets really didn't do anything. Well, there it is. Tradition, practice, ritual. If, you have one, if it's not connected to the right source, the, the heart of, of, of why, then it, it really doesn't do anything. And so that leads to the second point. Tradition can be good. Tradition can also get in the way. 
Tradition can also, also get in the way of, of faithfulness. Tradition can get in the way of relationships when we don't understand the why behind it, when we lose sight of, of purpose. I read about a study that was done using monkeys. I don't know when. I don't know how old the study is. But, but they, they um, you know, anthropology is the study of human behavior. Ethology is the study of, of animal behavior. And so they were studying animal behavior. They put five monkeys in an enclosed environment, you know, a big cage, a, a, a habitat, if you will. And they, they did an interesting thing. They, they hooked a banana. They hung it from, from a high place. And they put a ladder underneath it. And inevitably, one of the monkeys saw it and started to go up the ladder to get it. But when they did, they sprayed the other four monkeys with cold water. It was a little mean, but, but they, so one monkey went to get the banana. The other four got sprayed with cold water. So again, later on, they'd hung another banana. When it happened again, they did it again. One monkey goes to get the, get the banana. The other four get sprayed with cold water. Well, finally, they started to connect these two things. After it happened a few times, they started to realize that when a monkey, one of our colleagues, goes up for the banana, the rest of us get wet. So you can imagine what happened. Any time after that, a monkey started to go for the banana, the other four pulled him off. <laughs> Roughly and violently pulled him off because they didn't want to get wet. And so this went on until eventually the monkey stopped going for the banana because they knew there was consequences. So this is where it gets interesting. So then they took out one of the original monkeys and they put in a new monkey. Now the new monkey doesn't know the story. So he sees the banana, starts to go for the banana. What happens? The other four jerk him off. Goes for the banana, the other four jerk him off. Suddenly he realizes that for whatever reason, going for that banana is a bad idea. So he stops trying. They do it again. They take out an original monkey, they put in a new monkey. That monkey starts to go for the banana, the other four pull him down. This repeats every time. The behavior repeats until finally there are five brand new monkeys in the cage. But every time one of them tries to go for the banana, the other four pull them off. Every time one, even though they have no idea why they're doing it. Because not one of those monkeys anymore has been sprayed with cold water. But the behavior has been ingrained. The it has become tradition. That's what we do. But they have no idea why they do it. Or they have forgotten why they did. That's what Jesus is pushing against. That's this frustration, this tension point he has with the Pharisees. The Pharisees and these particular religious leaders and these constant tensions with, with Jesus, are, have, they've, they've forgotten the why of the religious practices they follow. They have all these laws, and they, they live them, and the intention is good. They're wanting to be obedient and faithful to God. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and they're wanting to... to live disciplined lives. But, but what has happened is they have elevated the law over the love. They've elevated law over love. And they've lost sight of the heart of the faith. When, when Jesus is asked in Mark uh, chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 22, the, He's asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and what Jesus gets so frustrated about is when tradition takes the place of love. When tradition becomes more important than relationships. And the heart, the reason for, for the practices get lost and, and get pushed aside because they've, they've lost the intention 
behind what God has called them to do. And, and we, have to, we have to be aware of that in the church. We have to constantly, not just in the church, in our own lives, ask ourselves where our relationships are being sacrificed because we've, we've elevated tradition. That's, uh, you know, go back to, to Fiddler on the Roof. If you know that story, the great tragedy of the story, the great sadness of the story is, is this tension with tradition and, and with his Tevya's daughters, five daughters, but the older daughters being married and not wanting to be matched by the matchmaker, one of the great songs of the, of the musical, Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match. Well, they, they don't, they're pushing against that tradition. He's holding on to that tradition, and it creates tension with, with two of his daughters, and he relents in both cases, but that third daughter wants to marry somebody who's outside the Jewish community, and it breaks the relationship. He can't, he can't overcome that. He turns his back on his daughter. He disowns his daughter to hold on to his tradition. And that's, that's tragic when, when, for us, our traditions cost us um, our relationships. I think that's what Jesus is pushing against, losing the, the heart of the law and or losing the heart of, of faith, that, that love. And, and we do that in the church. And you've heard before, I'm sure I've talked about it, preachers talk about it all the time, the, the seven deadly words of the church. We've never done it that way before. That's, those are the seven deadly ch- words of the church. Seven. We've never done it that way before. Okay. I even heard somebody once said that the church should never do anything for the first time. Think about it. Just let that sink in a little bit. You know, we should never do anything for the first time. Everything was the first time. But we, we hold on to these. And, and again, you know, hear me say, traditions are not bad. I, I, I value tradition. This morning, before the um, 8.15 service, I had stepped out for a moment, and Christy had started playing the prelude. She was playing in the garden, uh, that, that, that great hymn and, and familiar song of the church. Many of you know it. And as I'm walking down the hall, I can hear um, the congregation just, it's, it's not a, a time when there's singing necessarily, but there was today. They started singing along because they knew they connected to that song and the tradition of having heard it. That's, that's valuable. That's, that's wonderful. That's important, these things that we do, but not when they get in the way of people. And that's what becomes interesting about the text. I didn't read the whole chapter, but... If you were to keep going in Matthew chapter 7, there's a couple stories that follow this encounter. And I've never really paid a lot of attention to the, the placement, if you will. But it goes on in, in Mark chapter 7 that as Jesus is, is traveling, uh, a Phoenician woman, a Greek woman, comes to him and says, my daughter is, is possessed. My daughter's sick. She's, she's possessed by a demon. And, and Jesus has a very interesting encounter with her. Kind of a little hard to read if you go back and read it. And it's, it's unfortunate we don't have time to get into that story this morning. But he heals her daughter. He heals her daughter. And then the next story is Jesus healing a man who is, is deaf and mute. Now, in and of themselves, neither of those stories probably would jump out at us. There's a lot of heal or jump out to us because there's a lot of healing stories in the scriptures. But I think Mark tells those stories right there very, very intentionally, right on the heels of Jesus pushing back on empty tradition. Because the first is a healing of a Greek woman, which means she wasn't Jewish. Now again, that may not startle us, 
But remember the tradition, the teaching, the, the belief of the day that, that we are, as Jewish people, God's chosen people, which they were and are. But as God's chosen people, we are the beneficiaries of God's blessings. We are the beneficiaries of God's goodness. God's, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, that's for us. Yet the very thing that Jesus does after he talks about losing the heart of God in the tradition is Jesus heals a Gentile woman. And I think that's a way of saying God's love doesn't know the boundaries of your tradition. And then Jesus goes on to heal the man who's deaf and mute. Well, Luke chapter 9, I mean, I'm sorry, John chapter 9, the disciples in another healing story, they come across Jesus and the disciples come across a man who's blind. And they ask him a question, which talks about where I'm going with tradition. They ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, who sinned? This man sinned or did his parents sin? And the question implies this understanding of a teaching, of a, of a tradition that says that if you were infirmed, if you were sick, you were afflicted, it was punishment. You had done something. So, so if you had, had come down with something, well, that was God's divine judgment. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says to that question, he didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. This is going to be for God's glory. But, but again, Jesus pushing these boundaries of what what the expectation was, because people matter more. People always mattered more. Jesus stopped what he did for people. Stopped what he did for people. And that's who we're called to be. Our, our traditions are important. Our practices are valuable. But we cannot lose sight of why. If, if in our lives and in our faith and in our relationship to each other and, and our walk with God, if we have practices and, and traditions that, that we can tell you how we do it, and we can tell you what we do, but, but we can't tell you why, then we better start to ask ourselves, have we inverted the pyramid? Have we put the practice above the people that we're called to love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's who we are called to to be tradition, ah, treasure it. It is a gift, but we don't worship it. We worship a God who calls us into relationship with him and in the service and love of others. Let that always be the why behind the what and how of what we do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we do give you thanks for the, the practices that form us and shape us. They are valuable. And they are treasures. And we are thankful for those things that have been handed down to us. And we pray that we would hand them down to the next generation. But Lord, help us to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is a relationship with God and the love of others. And may that be the catalyst, may that be the reservoir that we draw from for all that we do. Bless our practices that they be rooted in the love of Christ and the love of others. We ask in your holy name. Amen.